You may remain standing, please. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4. If you have a Schofield Bible, that'll be on page 716. Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 1. And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege, Lord, to be back in your house. God, ask, Lord, you just meet with us. You just move, allow us your power and presence in the service this morning, God. Lord, pray, Lord, that you just anoint our pastor afresh. Use him, Lord, to deliver that great truth that you have for each and every one of us here today. And God, give us hearts and minds and ears to receive it. God, if there's one lost and undone among us, dear God, Lord, may this be the time that they come to know Christ and a free pardon of sin. And Father, we'll just give you the glory and honor and praise, Lord, for all that you do in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread, wear our own apparel, only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. God changed this, God changed that. But don't change me. God changed this. God changed that. But whatever you do, God, don't change me. The first thing we begin to realize when you read of the prophets is that their ministry focused not only on the on the future, but on the present as well. True prophets were like good doctors. They diagnosed the case, prescribed the remedy, warned the patient what would happen if they didn't take the prescription. Peter stated this principle when he said in 2 Peter 3.11, seeing then that all these things should be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness. In Isaiah chapter number 1, through verse 1 through 31, the entire chapter practically, you'll find that God conveys court. And uh, uh, literally, he calls a court session. And, uh, and in verses 2 through 4, he presents his case. And he finds the nation guilty. If there's anything about our nation we need to understand this morning, I love our country and I love our nation. Please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I love America and I don't believe if you like America, get out. Go to a third world country. It's okay. And, uh, but I love our country, but can I just say this? Our country's guilty. Verses 5 through 15, 
He gives an opportunity to repent. I'm glad this morning as we have met in the house of God, one more time, God gives us all a, an opportunity to repent and be right with him. And I believe God's long-suffering with our country and our nation today for that very reason. I believe God's long-suffering. I believe he's, he's longing, not sending judgment. We all look at times and say, Lord, how long are you just going to look the other way? We murder, we murder, we murder between 550,000 to 600,000 babies a year and never flinch. And I believe God's given opportunity to repent. In verses 16 through 31, he describes this sinful people. Verse 2 through 4, he said, they're like rebellious children. And he said, they, they don't appreciate a thing I've done for them. I hope this is not the case. But I probably, we got young people that have already started complaining. I'm bored. I ain't got nothing to play with. After all the sacrifice that's been made for them to have a good Christmas. Hope we don't have some like that, but we probably do. Verse 7 through 9, God pictures them as a ravaged battlefield, a desert that once been a garden. Verses 10 through 15, he, he describes a rebellious people who were a religious people. They went to church. But can I say this? Their heart was far from God. Oh, let me help you here. Going to church does not make you right with God. It's a good place to get right with God. You're more inclined to get right with God at church. But just the fact of you coming to church does not make you right. And then in verse 18, and I love this, God said, let me give you the medicine, the remedy, the prescription Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God gives a prescription. Isn't that wonderful? The word reason means to decide a case in court. But instead of judgment, the judge offers pardon. What was some of their sins? What, what was they guilty of? He found them, what were they guilty of? Well, verse 21. They're guilty of robbery and bribery, worshiping idols. But preacher, we, we don't worship idols. Do we not? Their idols happen to be the gods they carved out of stone. Ours just simply has four rubber tires on it. Our God is pleasure our God is money our God is ourselves do you take selfie portraits to put on your Facebook I ain't putting my picture on there it scares me when I look in the mirror I ain't letting the world see it do, do uh, what I'm trying to say is we do they, they were guilty of worshiping idols. And we may not call them that, 
Whatever we worship is our idol. Let me just go a step further. And we'll talk about this more the first of next year. But whatever, whatever moves your behavior becomes your God. We worship that which we give time and place and space to. We worship that. We find in verse 3 through 1 through 15, God said, now listen, if you don't repent, I'm going to send judgment. And God does judge his people. And notice how he said he would judge them. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem, from Judea, the stay and the staff and the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. God said, I'll cut off your water and food. God said, I'll, I'll just cut it off. As a matter of fact, he said, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophets and the prudent and the ancient, he said, he said, I'm just going to, I'll remove them. God said, I'll just take, God, God said, not only will I take the, the, the stay, the, the bread and the water, but he said, I'll take the strength, the men out of your presence. I said this before. One of the most damning things that's happening in our nation today is this. We have got our divine order so messed up. And, and instead of men being in a place that they, that's rightfully theirs, we made them a bunch of queers on TV and bumbling idiots. And Matthew, leave it on the radio. I really don't care. That's what they made men in our day. A bunch of bumbling idiots. Instead of the strength. What we've done, we've just so destroyed the order of things. It's what's happening here in Isaiah chapters 1 through 3. They've literally destroyed the order, God's divine order of things. Folks, we don't mess with divine order and not mess up everything else. We find here that when we arrive at chapter number 4, boy, they paid a great cost. You say, can you see? Oh, yeah, the cost is there. Notice what he said. He said that they should be one, uh, seven women for shall take hold of one man. And, uh, and so they have paid an awesome cost because of this. And all of a sudden, everything had changed. But the one thing that desperately needed to change was unchanged. Let me say this. We're not going to escape change. I, I need to help every person here. Um, I, I, I was privileged to spend some time with, with Ernie and uh, some folks in his church and trying to, trying to encourage him and, and to do want you to pray for him and please, please, please pray for him and his family. And uh, one of the things that they kept saying, you know, well, we, we thought about just selling out and coming back to North Carolina. I said, why would you want to do that? I said, what you would find is the shock of your life. Is that when you left, you could quit a job that morning and have five jobs that evening. You don't do that anymore. Everything's changed. And those of you that cannot adjust to change, you're going to struggle. Are you listening? I'm going to help you now. I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. 
I, I, I'm going to be your friend. If you can't adjust to change, you're going to, you're going to struggle tremendously. You struggle. What was 15, 20 years ago, not here now, and it's not going to come back. And, and if you can't adjust to that, if you can't adjust to that, you're going to struggle. I mean, you're going to have to take two Prozac to make it through the day. You're going to struggle. And we can't escape change. I was reading the other day, in 1800s, the top speed was 20 miles an hour. I would have died. 1952, the railroad brought the speed to 100 miles an hour. The first passenger jet traveled at 500 miles per hour. 1979, the Concorde jet cruised at 1,200 miles an hour. Things changing. Constantly changing. Our country and nation has changed so much in the last five years, it's almost unrecognizable. I, I, I never dreamed I would see a day, I would never dream I would see a day that, that we would even be discussing same-sex marriage, much less putting it on the news and demanding it be accepted. I never dreamed I'd see that day. Thomas Campus said this, We desire for others to be perfect, yet we don't correct our own faults. We allow others to be corrected, yet we'll not be corrected ourselves. We seldom weigh others in the same balance we weigh ourselves. And I say, amen. And because of this, God said, let me show you what's taking place. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man. All the ugly men can get any woman he wants. Because there ain't no men. And then the attitude of that day. Don't miss this. Because it's the attitude of our day as well. God changed this. God changed that. But God don't change me. We find in the first three chapters of forsaken people. A foolish practice and a faulty purpose. But in spite of the rebellion and rejection of truth, they continue to move in their own way, satisfy their own will, forgetting God and their attitude being, God changed this, God changed that, but don't change me. Here's what they said. They mentioned three things here that I believe is real today that tells us, tells you, tells me exactly if we have that same kind of an attitude. Here's what first thing he said. They had no desire for God to change their appetite. Here's what they said. We'll eat on bread. Now don't miss this. They're talking about something bigger here than a biscuit. They're talking something here more bigger than just about a piece of light bread. What they're talking about is this. We'll we'll take care of our own appetite. Has the ideal of an attitude of self-satisfaction and self-sufficiency. We find in this statement that they had an abundant hunger for the natural things. We'll eat our own bread. 
Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you take this bread, you'll never hunger. And yet what we've got today is a crowd that says, no, 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 I'll eat my own bread. And here's what's sad about it. They are not happy. They're not content. Has the idea of saying, uh, I'm just going to do my own thing. A self-satisfaction, a self-sufficiency. They, they desired nor hungered for the things of God. But what they wanted, they wanted more and more and more and more and more of this world. Are you saved this morning? You're not of this world. We're strange. We're sojourners. And yet we've got such a hold of this world. We can't enjoy this one or the next world. We're not getting excited about neither one of them. Because we're such a divided heart. Pastor went to visit a lost man. Family member of someone in church. He just said the man was in his 80s. And the pastor sensed coldness and unconcerned. And finally, he said, listen... He said, sir, are you going to trust Jesus? Here's what he says. He said, I've lived 80 years without God. I don't think I need him now. The most damning thing that's happened to us today is we don't need him. We don't need him. We got enough money in our pocket. We got enough stuff in our house. We don't need him. And you know what? You know what alarms me, church? It takes almost God putting us flat on our back or on our face to get there. To get there. It, it, it's, it's amazing. Does God have to take your job, sir? For you to get faithful to the house of God? Does God have to bankrupt you to get you to tithing so you can be blessed? Does God have to take your health, I mean shatter it, to get you to say, man, I sure need God. I, I need Him. I need Him. Here is a group that said this. They said, now God... We want you to change this. We want you to change. Holy God, don't worry about my appetites. I'll, I'll take my appetites. I've got hunger for my own appetites. We got young people in our church sitting right here right now. Bless God, it would embarrass. No, no, that's what the problem is. He wouldn't embarrass you. He'd embarrass mom and daddy. And we put your ungodly hellish picture on the wall that's on your Facebook for the world to see. And yet you say you're a Christian? You say you're saved. Say you know Christ. But you see, the truth is, what you're saying is, I change this, change that. But God, God, don't change me. We'll eat on bread. We'll eat on bread. It's okay. Well, our dear folks understands this better than any of you will understand this. I, it, it almost shot me. But we was in a court scene the other day and a question was asked. 
Do you think it's wrong to drink a beer? I ain't going to ask you that question. You know why? Because there's some of you ain't got enough God about you to know that's sin and wrong. They asked him. Of course, they asked me. And you know what I said? Yeah, I think it's wrong. You would not believe the intimidation, but I wouldn't by myself. Others said, no, I think it's wrong too. I praise God with it. Hallelujah. I wonder, what would you have said though had I not been there? Well, I think maybe it'd be, we, we just want our own appetites. You know, we want to we want to live like the devil, but you know, I'm saved. Change everything else. Go, change our prayers to God, but don't change me. Number one, abundant hunger for the natural things. Number two, there's an absent hunger for spiritual things. We eat on bread. They were God's chosen people. I'm going to help every person. How many of you? Don't you dare lie. Send your itch if they lie. How many of you next year would like to grow a little closer to God? Raise your right hand. If you don't know that, that's one on this side. Amen. All right. Okay. Are you serious about that? Raise it up again. Are you really serious? Okay. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell you how you can do that. All right. Move one pew up. Move one pew up. Now, how serious are you? It's easy to do this. But it's a little harder to get up and say, Don't feel right. But I'll get it feeling right 20 years out. We got our comfort zones. There ought to be a thought for the first two pews in this church every Sunday. I'm going to get there early, bless God. I'm going to get my seat. Before somebody else gets it, I'm going to get close to. You, you say, push it down. He does. One pew up, you'll get closer. Absent, better move on. That just, that just killed by half of you. No desire. No longing. No craving. No hunger for the things of God. I'm going to tell you now, and I love you fellas, don't you dare boo me out, but, but I'm going to preach it anyway. I would to God we could get as excited about God. Now, I was a, I was a, a volunteer fireman for five years. I loved it. I absolutely do. I absolutely loved it. And uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't change it for nothing in this world. And I had me a little monitor. And that thing would go off. And I'm going to tell you, in about a minute and a half, I could be in my boots, have my britches up, my coat on, and in my truck of going down the road like a wild man, just like Jimmy Drum. Amen? I mean, I could do it. He just can't move that fast. I loved it. One day it dawned on me. Why don't I get as excited about Jesus as that? There's a fire burning. It's a burning. It's a raging. As a matter of fact, it's a spread. Bible says it's getting bigger. And multitudes are falling in it by the minute. And the only way we're going to put it out is the water of the Word of God. But we're not getting excited about that. 
We're not getting excited about that fire. It's a burning. It's a burning. We're absent for the hunger for the spiritual things. Man, and boy, this is, this is I'm, I'm seeing this played out in hundreds of lives today. A man had been unemployed and out of work for a long period of time. He searched and he searched, but he couldn't find none. And, and finally, a job opened up. But he'd been out of work so long. When he went back, he said, he found that he'd lost his taste for it. No desire for it. Two, humming, two birds. There's a hummingbird and a vulture. And, I, and, I, and all the vulture sees is rotting meat. That's what he's looking for. The hummingbird ignores the smell of dead animals carcass. He's looking for blossoms of uh, flowers and colorful plants. The vulture lives on what? Was. Feed themselves that which is dead and gone. The hummingbird lives on what is and they seek new life. Both birds find exactly what they're looking for. Statistics tell us four out of every ten Christian people four out of ten Christian people will read one verse in a given week. Just one verse. Four out of ten. We spend twice as much time showering. We spend three times that much on eating. We spend twice as much on reading the newspaper. I love this. We spend four times as much on Computer, we'd be texting, Facebook, whatever. And here's the thing. We never spend time. You know why? There's no desire for it. There's no hunger, no craving. It's just that we're hungry, but for the wrong things. I wonder, what would it take for us as a church and as a Christians to truly Get a hunger for God. I, I met with the man. We stood in the altar of his church. And he, he looked at me and tears running down his face. He said, Preacher, I, if God don't help me, I don't even think I'm going to live. His next question, why did God do this? I said, maybe only to get you here. Maybe to get you here. I said, that's harsh. No. It's not. He said, I thought about that. What would it take for you? What's it going to take for me? Here's a group of people that said, God changed this. God changed that. But God, don't change me. They said, listen, we, 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 we're not going to change our appetites. And let me say this. Church, I love you. I'm glad you're, I'm thrilled. But 2014 will be no different for you than 2013. You can blame everybody else in the world. You can blame this, you can blame that, you can blame this, you can blame that, you can blame this, you can blame this. Preacher, you change. Brother Ronnie, you change. Sunday school, you change. You change, change this, change that. But don't change me. 
appetites never change. You'll get the same thing in 2014 as you got in 2013. Keep doing the same thing you always been doing. You keep getting the same thing you always keep getting. Number two, and I love this, had no desire for God to change their apparel. Notice what we said. We'll eat our own bread and we'll wear our own apparel. Listen to what he said. Now we're apparel so much bigger than just the clothes you got on your back. But don't miss this. I want everybody to look at me. Nothing displays our hearts like our apparel. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. People see your heart every time you dress. In Genesis 3, 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. John 21, 7. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself in the sea. Nothing, absolutely nothing, would display your heart more than your apparel. I love this. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, I, I pastored for 20 years. I witnessed this. I've witnessed ladies that come in not dressed as modestly as they should and know immediately, mm, well, their heart's slipping. A few weeks, they come in dressed very modestly say, well, they, they got back where they need to be. Nothing displays it more. Nothing. Nothing. And if you think that's bad, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's just sad. When old men try to act like our teenagers, why that shirt by hat button, one gray hair sticking out, got their jewelry and their earrings in, and, and, and what they want to do, they want to be cool. You're an old man. Act like you're an old man. Act like you got some sense, whether you do or not. You know what we're saying? I'm available. Why are you available? You're married. How are you acting that way? Why act that way? It's amazing. Because it reflects the heart. Don't miss this. It reflects the heart. They wore the garments of wretchedness. They said, we'll wear our own apparel. What apparel has the ideal of lifestyle, behavior, and conduct? It has the ideal that it's going to well, why on apparel? In other words, the apparel, it, it, it gives a message. Uh, that's the reason why that we, we had a former president, and I love this. Uh, he, he said, when he became president, he said, nobody walks in the Oval Office without a, a, a shirt and a tie on. I like that. The dignity of the office. And we're not even going to go there. On the rest of it. But it speaks of lifestyle, behavior, and conduct. John Newton said, I'm not what I might be. 
I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be, nor am I not what I hope to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I love that. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Let me just say this. They wore the garments of wretchedness. See, we, the truth is this. And no, we ever miss sight, lose sight of this. And that's the reason why God hates pride so much. God, we're eat up with it. We're eat up with it. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I love you. You're, again, you're my church. And, 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 uh, and I'm giving my life to this thing, but I'm amazed at, at the pride that, that, that you're so stinking proud. You won't ask somebody to help you. Because you're prideful. And I'm telling you, you wear it like a neon sign. I'm proud and I'm proud that I'm proud. And God says, that makes me sick. And God says, I can't help you. God won't help you. God won't. The same, because the truth is, the truth is, when God found you, if you are saved, I said, if you are saved, I said, if you are saved, you know what he found? A depraved, despondent sinner on the road to a devil's hell, lost and undone. You couldn't help yourself. You couldn't fix nothing. And had he not come by, you'd be in hell today. Amen. That's what he found. And guess what? He saved you by his marvelous grace. They wore the garments of wretchedness. They wore the garments of worldliness. Picture, here's a people that were satisfied with their own way of living and their own lifestyle. Here's a group of people satisfied with rebellion. They're, 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 they're rejecting God's standard and thrilled with it. I love this. A group of young people were going to explore a coal mine. One little girl wore a white dress and, and uh, the little girl said to the guy, said, can, can I wear my white dress in there? He said, yes, ma'am, you sure can, but I'll tell you this much. When you wear a white dress into my mind, you'll not wear a white dress out. You know what? You might wire God into these things, but I'm going to tell you something. You don't play with the world and wire one out. Here was, here was a people that said, God changed this. God changed that. Don't change our appetite. Well, we don't bread. Don't change our apparel. We, we don't want people to, to, to know we're Christian. We're shit. Are you ashamed of your church? Are you ashamed to be a Christian? Are you ashamed to be a Christian? Shame on you! If you're saved, you say, why don't some people get saved? Because they don't want to live like hell and think, I come to church and I'll do this and do this and, and God ain't let good people go to hell. Good people go to hell at a breakneck speed. I want every mom and dad to look at me right now. If your child is not saved, there's nothing good about them. Nothing. 
There's none good. No, not one. They might do the moral things, don't make them good. What is good is when we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know what's good about me, Him? And that's it. That's it. That's it. May I say, don't change, change this, God. Change that. But don't change me. Number three. They said, we'll eat on bread and we'll wear on apparel. But notice, they said they had no desire for God to change their appearance. Only let us be called by thy name. They wanted the banner. They wanted the title. They wanted the distinction. But they didn't want God. They, they wanted, they desired the right to the name. They, they, they said, now we, 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 we are, I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. But now, but now God, I'm, I'm going to strip off naked. And I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. God, don't change my, don't you, don't you touch my I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go drink liquor. I'm going to cuss like a sailor. I'm going to smoke wacky weed. I'm going to do all I'm going to hop around. God, I'm a Christian. But don't change my appetite. And God, don't change my apparels. But God, I want the title of Christian. I want the appearance. I want the title. I want everybody to think I'm a Christian. I want everybody at Solid Rock Baptist Church to think I'm a Christian. I want people on the job to think I'm a Christian. But don't change my appetites. Don't change my apparels. So God, don't change me. They want the banner. They want the title. They want the distinction. Belonging, they had they they had the title of God's chosen people, and they desired the right to that name, but they despised the responsibility that went with that name. Don't miss this. They desired the right to the name. They despised the responsibility of the name. They said, we want the name. We want to write the name. We, we want to be a member of Solid Rock Baptist Church. We are part of Solid Rock Baptist Church. I'm right there. I want to join the church pastor. But... They don't want no responsibility with that. Please, please, I beg of you, don't put our church sign and then go to Wayno's on Saturday night on the front of your car. And worse yet, don't you do it the redneck way. Put your sign in the back window and go to Wayno's. Whatever you do, 
Just don't get my church, our church sign and put on your vehicle if you're going by the ABC store after church today. And if it's on there, please take it off before you stop. You know right to the name. They said they wanted to wear the name, but they didn't want to live in a manner that reflected the name. No doubt. They, had, they didn't mind being called a born again child of God. They want to live their own life and do their own thing. Isn't it amazing? I said this, and I believe it's where we're at so much. And so many, and even so many people come to me and say, Well, what happened to, to, to so and so? Well, I'll tell you what happened to them. Demons have forsaken me, loving this present evil world. Let me tell you this be honest, be as serious as I know how to be. Here's what they wanted. They said, we want all of this world, but we want that world when we die. I want, to, I, want to, I want all this world gives me, but when I die, I want to go to heaven. I want to be a Christian. And yet, here was a people. So how ought we to wear the name of our Savior with dignity and honor? How ought we to reveal His uh, presence and reflect His blessed name? Well, let's, let's not do it like a spare tire in an emergency. You know, how, how many of you have seen the little bitty tire they, they put in the trunk? It's called a donut. And that's about how big it is, a donut. A whole lot of Christians are running their life. And every so often you see the donut drug out. Oh, it ain't God, it ain't God. And as soon as they get over it, the donut comes off and back in the trunk and you don't see them again for several weeks. And when they drive back in the parking lot, oh, they got the donut on again. They need God. Don't, don't do that. Let's start next year not doing that. See, do you realize you associate yourself with Him? Then there's responsibility comes with that. It's not just a name. It should be who you are. Christian's not just a name. It is who I am. The word Christian means to be Christ-like. And what a travesty and tragedy when we don't represent that or take on the responsibility of it. Lord, I, there's people in this church that, that can testify to this that we, we, we're, we hear it all the time. Hear it all the time. I, I, I'm a Christian. Okay, did you go to church? No, no, we ain't been to church in years. And I love this statement. That they, well, you don't have to go to church to live right. Well, if you're going to live right, you've got to go to church. Oh, I'm just, it's, it's, Paul Reese made this statement. Halfway surrender is the blight of Christian discipleship. God's asking for all. We want to buy him off with nothing else. Half-hearted commitment and sacrifice will not do. Here's the people that said that they had no desire for God to change their appetite, no desire for God to change their appearance, and no uh, apparel, and no desire for God to change their appearance. But they wanted God to bless them.
They wanted what God would do. They even prayed to him. Their attitude was this. God changed this. I tell you, our church do better. We get a different pastor. You probably could. You probably could. Well, our church do better. We get rid of Ronnie. I doubt if you could beat Brother Ronnie. The job he does. Doubt it. He puts up with me, and you ain't never put up with me, so you don't understand that statement. Did you just say Amen. <laughs> Sunday school teacher change this if the church would help me change this and God change that man we get a different president in we pitch them democrats out get some republicans in we'll straighten this mess out no just a different set of crooks. No. God changed this. God changed that. If we have a hope in 2014, that's not where it's going to start. It's not going to start. Not would to God some of you be listening to what I'm saying now. Instead of doing everything else but listening. It's amazing the ones that, that are not listening now need to be doing the listening right now because I'm giving you the great secret and you're not listening. It blows my mind to that. But I know something. It ain't going to be you changing if 2014 is different. It's not going to be Brother Ronnie changing if 2014 changes. I don't start here. I don't start with my wife, my children. There ain't no hope for them. I don't start here. I'm not, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to start with Elijah. I'm not going to start with church members. If 2014 is going to be different, it has to start with me. It's got to start right here. It's got to be getting honest enough to say, God, where, where, where's, where's the preacher at? Where's the pastor at? See, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested in a show or preach. I'm not interested in that junk anymore. Where am I at? Where, where am I at? How's my prayer life doing? How's my Bible reading doing? How's my devotion doing? Lord, where's my walk with God? Where's my desire to see a lost souls saved? And, and I've got to start by here. Because before God changes this, and before God changes that, God's got to change me. I've got one story to tell you. I don't know how it happened. I don't even know why it happened. It was a little white church. And I, I don't know how I got my eyes on three or four people. But I did. I got very angry. And to be honest with you, I was so unjust. And those people that were there at that time, I've told them time and time again, they didn't deserve the preaching they got in that day. They really did. Because they had a very angry pastor, very angry man. It's a very angry man. 
And it come to a place to so much anger one Sunday. I didn't even dismiss. And I went to a back room with every intent. I am done with this. I got a job. I don't have to have this. I'm done with this. But oh, how God that day began to do some things for me. Because God didn't change not a one of them people. Not one of them. 20 years down the road, they still ain't changed. It's amazing. God didn't change the church. But in the back of Sunday school class, God changed me. And that day, on my face, I said, God, if you'll just give me the joy of preaching, give me my joy back. I know you may think the message this morning is hard, but there's one thing behind I love preaching. The joy. And God gave me back my joy that day. And I realized, God, don't change this. God, don't change that. God, change me. If this morning you can come there, if you can get there, your 2014 will be life-changing for you. Let me stop. Before you come, don't you dare get up and come. If you're hell-bent on your appetites, sir, if that fifth liquor's under the seat and you're you're hell-bent, you're not going to change, don't come. If that wacky weed's hid in the house, don't come. Hey, boys, if that pornography's uh, you've been watching, nobody knows about but God, don't, don't, don't come. Don't come. Because... Whenever God changes you, He'll change your appetites. He'll change your apparel. He'll do the changing. Here this morning, let me just be honest. If you're not willing, you say, no, 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 no. What you're saying is God changed this, God changed that, but God don't change me. But if you're interested in God changing you this year, I want 2014 to be different for this preacher. I want to be different. I want a closer. I want, I want God to do some things for me. Then, if you want that, then I give you an invitation to come and say, "God, I'm a candidate. Don't change this. Don't change that. But God, change me." Let's all stand to our feet.